I'm going to read from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, the red-letter words of Jesus to us, verses 9 through 13. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. The word of the Lord. Thank you, dear, for reading. That's my wife, Beth, by the way. That's why I can call her dear. <laughs> Make sure anybody that's watching that doesn't know that. Thank you for reading God's word for us this morning. Um, if you've been tra- tracking with us and following along on our online services, you know that um, we've just last week finished a series in the book of Esther. <clears throat> Great reminder of being alive and serving God for such a time as this. It was, I think, very applicable to our times. And so we finished that series in Esther, and now for a few weeks we're going to uh, just do a little focusing on how do we respond as a church? What do we need to do as our world hopefully begins to come out of this uh, time of isolation and uh, So uh, just a few weeks of kind of more personalized messages before our next series, which we are going to start when we get to June, and the book of 1 Peter, which is also so practical, so applicable. Love the words of Peter to us as as the church of Jesus. So uh, hang on for that coming in June. But for these next few weeks, uh, just something a a little bit more for us uh, personally to chew on and prepare for as a church. So uh, before we dive into God's word, one more time, would you go with me to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak to us through your word and that your truth is right here for us. And so I pray this morning that we would hear these words as you speaking them right to our hearts and that we would take them to heart, apply them to our lives. And so, uh, Lord, as I always pray, I ask that you would guard my words, help me to rightly and accurately communicate what you want said this morning. I pray that it would be the power of your living word, the power of your spirit at work in us to accomplish the changes that you want to make, the, any, any conviction that you want to bring, any encouragement that we need, that that would come from you today as we study your word together. And we'll thank you for that work you do in us right here, right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So maybe there's even been a little bit of a sigh of relief heard around the world recently because it seems like we're finally beginning to come out from under this COVID-19 pandemic, at least a little bit. The world is is looking forward to getting back to life. The virus seems to be slowing. Countries are beginning to move out of lockdown a little bit. And it looks like in the weeks to come that we all are going to have that opportunity to move a little bit uh, out of isolation and back into a little bit more of being 
congregations. We're going to be moving out of quarantine and be able to move back into a little bit more of community and maybe getting away from this um, distancing, social distancing, to a little more social engagement. And some of that might still take a while, but we believe and hope and pray that it's coming. But it might come slower than we would wish, and it might be harder than we think. And so, as we start to return to stores and restaurants and workplaces, and especially, as we want to talk about this morning, to church, there are going to be some barriers to that reconnection, right? Those of us that are right here in this room are already feeling that a little bit. We have this these barriers of the, of the distancing and of, of the masking and, and the constant need to wash the hands and, and sanitizing and so on. And yet those are, those are just kind of physical barriers. I think there are going to be some other barriers that we're going to have to work through that may be even a little more difficult, maybe, maybe a little more personal. Because as we come back together, as we re-engage in relationships and conversations, we're going to find that we have different emotions, we have different opinions, we have we've kind of been in different places along the way. And some of those things might actually create even more difficult barriers than the physical things. And so this morning, I want us to think about that and talk about that a little bit because we need to know how are we going to handle that as a church? What are we going to do about that? How, do, how are we going to transition from a number of months of isolation to once again being a congregation? And it makes me, as I think about that, it makes me think of two examples. So the first one is kind of from, the, from Hollywood. It's the movie world. And you remember the movie, Tom Hanks' movie, Castaway? Okay, if you, if you saw the movie, you know the basic premise. He's in his, his air, airplane accident, a crash, and he's the only survivor, and he ends up on this island all by himself. And so he's, he's just got to survive on his own. His, his only friend is the, uh, I think there's a picture of it there, the, the volleyball that he paints a face on, and the Wilson. That's his only companion for five-plus years. And he's finally rescued from this island and he goes back home and you think oh this is great he's going home and it's hard re-engaging for him is hard because everybody else has moved on everybody else thought he was dead and so life has gone on he comes back and and the things that were life and death for him even like starting a fire and one of the scenes as he comes back he picks up a lighter and just flicks it and there's flame it's like so easy my life was so different and so he comes back and and because other people had moved on the 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 one that he thought was going to be his wife whose picture he had on the island kept him going She's married somebody else. She thought he was dead. She's married somebody else and has kids. And he comes back, and his heart is broken all over again. It's difficult for him to re-engage. There's another example in the Bible when the Israelites, the Jews, come back from exile. So 70 years they're in Babylon. They come back to Jerusalem. And again, you think they're coming home. They're coming back together. This is great. But when they get there, the walls of Jerusalem are broken down. They, they have trouble just redefining their identity again. There are relational struggles and issues. They've forgotten the law. They've forgotten how to be a people together. And so the book of Nehemiah talks about these struggles of the people of God to come back together and be his people again. It's not always easy for a group of people that have been separated 
to be able to come back in unity and harmony easily and automatically. So how can we be preparing ourselves right now? And that's what I want us to think about this morning. How do we prepare ourselves now so that we're better able to come back together when we're able to do that? How do we move from isolating back to congregating without hurting each other? Well, I think what we need to do is remember the words of Jesus to his disciples. It's the words that Beth read just a moment ago. This was the night before his death. He's giving the disciples his final words, right? And he shares with them these, these prayers and these thoughts in John 15 and the chapters right around that talk about this. And if you were here at Trinity back in March, we went through a series called The Vine. Jesus uses that as a, an illustration of what it means to be connected to him. I am the vine, you're the branches, and stay connected to me for spiritual life and health and fruitfulness. And right after that passage, he goes on to say the words that Beth read for us this morning. And he says... I love you, and I want you to love each other. When it came right down to it, the most important thing Jesus could say to his followers was, I want you to know that I love you, and I want you to love each other. And then he showed them what that love was like. So he says to them in, in those verses, love each other as I have loved you, well, what, how did Jesus love them? Verse 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus loved his followers unconditionally. He loved them sacrificially. He loved them without judgment. And so Jesus gives us this, what he calls a new commandment that you love one another. And so the disciples got that, especially John. If you look at John's letters, he got that. He says it over and over again. The disciples went out and taught it to other people, including one of the first disciples, which was a guy who first persecuted the church, then became a leader in the church, and that's Paul. And Paul got that idea too. He understood that message. And where I want to take us next that John 15 is to kind of launch us, that just is what Jesus said, but then Paul fleshes out that command beautifully in Romans 12. So if you have your Bible, please then now turn to Romans chapter 12, your electronic device, whatever you have with you or can access easily where you are. Look at Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 9 through 18. This chapter, by the way, Romans 12 has perhaps some of the, it's the greatest concentration of one another commands of anywhere in the Bible. And we want to see how these relational principles apply to our re-entry. Because, y'all, we're, we're, we're in this boat together. There's re-entry coming up for all of us into family life, for some of us into work life, certainly into church life, for some of you into your broader community life. We're re-engaging in a lot of different ways relationally in the upcoming weeks and months. Paul tells us how to prepare for that. And he begins with a leading statement about love itself. So we have to understand the very nature of love to know how to live it out fully, right? And so I want to look at that opening statement and then just pull out a few of the statements throughout these verses that are essentially the one another commands and encouragements of Romans 12. So he says in verse 9, love must be sincere. And the word sincere means without hypocrisy, 
or literally, get this, the word means without a mask. Now, in the Greeks, for the Greeks, that meant an actor's mask that covered the whole face. But of course, nowadays, when we hear mask, we think immediately of these hospital kind of masks, these COVID masks that we're, we're wearing. And so it's, it's a necessary part of our life right now. But you know what? In a sense, it does block some of who we are. Beth had this idea the other day. I don't know if she can figure this out. She's made a bunch of masks already, but she said, it'd be great if I could make a mask that was clear so you could still, still see people's smiles, right? I miss that. I, when, through the mask, you cannot see the smile. Sometimes you can see it reflected in the eyes if the eyes are smiling too. And that Paul is saying here, we need to love openly because a mask tends to cover up some of who we are. He says, this is not, uh, I'm not talking about a love that's, that's put on, not a love that's fake. This is sincere love, genuine love. And that only comes by the love of Jesus in us and through us. We can't conjure that up. We can't fake that on our own. It's got to be Christ's love in us and through us. So that's the nature of this love. It's the love that Jesus has for us, then poured through us to others. And here's what it looks like. Look at verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. And devoted love is, is a kind of family love, a brotherly love is the literal translation here. And so for some of you, maybe that's, that's a great metaphor, but for others, maybe not. Maybe the family you grew up in, there wasn't a lot of love but this is the love that we desire for family. This is the love we want in our family relationships. And this is the kind of love that God wants in his family as well. And so that's what Paul describes here. Be devoted to one another in love. And it's going to be exciting to be back together. I mean, I love it even now, week to week, when we're bringing in uh, these smaller groups of people, seeing some of you that I haven't seen for a while. It it's just creates, it's, it spurs that longing to get us all back together as a church again. But our expressions of affection are going to have to be tempered for a while, right? We can't maybe show that love and devotion the way we'd normally do. So Tommy James happens to be here together. He's, he's kind of our official church hugger, <laughs> so those of you that know Tommy. And so this is going to be like stifling, right, for Tommy to be able to, to, to see folks that he loves and not be able to give him a big hug. So for a while, we won't be able to show the, the handshake and maybe the full expression of love. But you know what we can still do? We can use our words. We can show our devotion through our words. And I encourage you that. Even now, be speaking words of love and appreciation to those around you, in your family. Others, maybe you're not even seeing them, but send them a note. Give them a call. Send them an email. Do something where those words of love and devotion are being expressed. Don't neglect that. Our theme throughout this passage is one I'm going to keep coming back to and putting it before you because Paul is calling us to choose love. In each of these phrases, in each of these cases, if this is about the decision we make, choose love. Choose to be devoted to one another in love. In the second part of verse 10, he says it in another way. He says, honor one another above yourselves. Now, 
personally, I think this is probably the hardest part of loving one another. Because our natural inclination, right, is, is to put our own opinions and our own concerns and our own emotions first. And Paul is saying, no, no, put the opinions and the concerns and the emotions of other people ahead of yourself. That's not natural. And, and Paul says it in another way in Philippians 2.3. Let me show you this verse as well. Because here he really digs down. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. So, think about this. Because in times of difficulty, and, you know, this pandemic has created certain kinds of challenges and difficulties, and more for some than for others. But when, when things get difficult, that's when we kind of turn in and focus more on ourselves. That's just kind of the tendency. I got to take care of myself. And yet that's exactly what the case was for these Christians in Rome. They were suffering. They were under affliction. We don't even know exactly what all was happening. But as Christians, they were under persecution. And so Paul is saying to them, even though you're under these difficulties, you need to put the needs of one another, the concerns of one another, ahead of your own. He says, that's what real love is all about. Have you been asking others around you how they're doing? Have you been asking other people how they feel? Um, have you found out whether they're anxious or they're struggling with something or worried about something. I think it's important for us to ask those kind of questions of one another. We honor each other by being sensitive to those concerns, to those struggles that others are having, even if we have some of our own. Paul is saying to us, choose love. Choose love. Think about the needs of others. Another phrase, verse 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now here, I just have words of appreciation for you, Trinity Church. I mean, you have done this well over these past weeks. I've been hearing story after story of, of people at Trinity who, you're, who are reaching out to each other, checking on each other, calling each other, helping each other out. And in some cases distancing, but visiting each other to check on each other, to bring something. This is happening in numerous cases throughout our church. It's so good to see that because this is this caring, this giving, this sharing with one another that Paul talks about. We're practicing it as a church. Praise the Lord for that. This other phrase that he puts on here, practice hospitality, takes it to another level, takes it outside the church because the, the phrase literally means friendliness to strangers. Friendliness to strangers. But that I've seen at work here, too. Oh, Scott and Carol Abishan are here as our small group here for this filming of the service today. And they helped kind of initiate this, but so many of you participated in our Collections for Cares, a ministry to the needy right here in our own county, in our own community. We had this, if you didn't see this a week or so ago in our email, three food drives that we've had so far. I wouldn't be surprised if we have some more. 
But during that, those three drives, we collected 2,675 pounds of food. I don't know how many carloads it took to get all that here, and then we got it to CARES. But in addition to that, $7,700 of donations which, because they buy food from the food bank in Atlanta at a reduced price, that bought 14 truckloads of food for our county right here. Trinity Church and friends of Trinity supplied that. Praise the Lord for that. That's what, that's what Paul is talking about here. That's a way of showing love. And thank you, Trinity. Thank you, church, for showing love in those ways. Thank you for choosing love in that way. Verse 15, another phrase, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. This form of loving other, uh, one another probably could have many different applications, probably many ways you've experienced it in your life, but I want to focus just on this coronavirus season right now for, for this because there are some people around you, I'm sure, who have not lost their jobs, who have not lost retire, or at least immediate retirement income, who, who have not, or not gotten sick, not lost a loved one. And so in those cases, rejoice. Rejoice with them and rejoice for them. But, you know, during this time, perhaps you've also known some people who have lost jobs, who've lost income, who've lost their health, who've lost a loved one. And we need to mourn with them. That's love, to mourn with those who mourn. That's what Paul is saying. I mean, to reach out to those, whether it's in rejoicing or whether it's in mourning, that we come alongside them, that we understand what they're going through, we understand their emotion, and we share it for their sake, to show love. Again, by doing that, Paul says, choose Love. Next phrase in verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. What does that mean? What is Paul talking about here? Well, in the musical realm, you heard it right here. <laughs> Allison and Grace and their voices, they weren't singing the same note all the time. They were singing different notes, but they were singing notes that created harmony. Miller was playing various notes on the guitar. Allison was playing different notes on the keyboard. Grace was playing different notes on the piano. Uh, how could there be all these different notes? Well, they're played to create harmony. If you have only one note, you don't have harmony. So what is Paul saying about relationships in this then? He's saying it's not about everybody singing just one note. You're not all going to be the same. You're not always going to have the same opinion. You're not always going to think the same way. And that's not the goal. The unity can come through harmony. But we have to learn to do that. We have to concentrate on it. We have to think about that. It doesn't just happen automatically. If we just stood up here and all sang different notes at the same time, it probably wouldn't be harmony. It would be a mess. But when you think about it, when you listen to those other notes and you can bring another note in that matches that note and creates harmony, now you've got the makings for relational love being shown. 
So here's how it works. Some people in your family, some people in your community, in your workplace, in your church, they are going to sing a different note than you. You may have already noticed that some are singing a different note than you. Even regarding, maybe especially regarding this virus. They're going to have different opinion, a different level of caution or concern. That's okay. Listen to those other notes and sing your notes in harmony with them. Don't expect or demand that everybody else sing your note. That's not harmony. To love one another means to learn to appreciate the opinions of others, to hear the beauty in the perspectives of other people that might be different than ours. To live in harmony means to choose love. Are you getting that theme yet? <laughs> choose love. There's one more phrase, verse 18. Live at peace with everyone. Now, if Paul just keeps throwing these at us. It's just like, okay, if you don't get it this way, try this one, try this one, try this one. These phrase after phrase, this is what it means to love one another. Live at peace with everyone. Do all that you can. Notice what Paul says here, as far as it depends on you. In other words, the other people around you may not want to live at peace. They may not be doing things to make peace. They may not be working at it. But Paul says, but you do. Believer in Jesus, follower of Jesus, you need to do all that you can to live at peace with those around you. You see, it's, it's, it's possible to live at peace without agreeing on everything. That's not necessary for peace to happen. Now, you have to talk it out. You have to work it out. Maybe that happens sometimes. It happens in marriages. It happens in families and homes. It happens in friendships. And it happens in the church. And your response to all this social and political and medical and emotional, all those ramifications of this pandemic, maybe your take may be very different than somebody else's take. But as a Christ follower, even if it's different, you're called to live in peace. You're called to choose love. You know, my, my wife, Beth, who you heard read the scripture this morning, she has been a long-standing advocate for hand washing and hand sanitizer for years before this ever hit this year. Um, so our kids grew up learning that. She's been working on me for years, <laughs> and I'm not very good at it. And it has caused some tension in our marriage at times with my lack of attention <laughs> to hand-washing and sanitizing. At least once, right, dear? <laughs> okay, maybe a thousand times or more. And now that this pandemic has come, I cannot win because now the whole world <laughs> is doing what she's told our family to do for all these years. But see, the point isn't about winning. It's not about being right. The point that Jesus is making, the point that Paul is making here, is what's more important is choosing love. And we look at this passage and we, we read through Romans 12 and 
And it applies to so much in our lives. But right, for right now, I just want to draw you in, as, as we close on this passage, I, I want to draw you into a, a response related to the pandemic. Since that's what we're in, that's what we're all living with right now, just hear this for a moment. Because maybe, maybe you're on the side that thinks this, this whole pandemic has been blown way out of proportion, uh, by the media, by the government, whoever. Maybe you can't understand why some people have become so anxious, why some people have been so upset about it. And to you, if that's where you are, I'd say, please love your brothers and sisters who think differently than you do. Be devoted to them regardless, honor their opinions, care for them, help them, serve them, pray for them, live in harmony and peace with them. Everything that we just read in Romans 12, choose love. But maybe, maybe you think this pandemic has been and continues to be a terrible threat to our world, to our lives and to our economy, and maybe you're not you're watching this service, but you're not at all ready to even leave your house yet. Maybe you're upset by those who shrug off the dangers of this virus, who don't pay attention to the precautions the way that you think that they should. And to you, I say, love your brothers and sisters who think differently than you. Be devoted to them regardless. Honor their opinions. Care for them. Help them. Serve them. Pray for them. Live in harmony and peace with them. All that Romans 12 says, choose love. See, it doesn't matter where you fall on that continuum. Maybe to the one end or the other or somewhere in between. It doesn't matter whether you've been, you're feeling carefree about this or you're feeling cautious about this. It doesn't matter Because we all need to ask ourselves this key question. Are my attitudes and actions demonstrating sincere love and devotion for my family, for my friends, for my community, for my church, for my coworkers? And that's a tough question to ask. So as you ask it, also pray and ask God to help you be honest about the answer. Am I being loving in my attitudes and my actions right now? And if you can't say yes to that where you are right now, then ask God, say, then, Lord, please pour your love into me. Help me to be more loving. Help me to have an attitude of love and behavior of love. Help me to show love. Help me to choose love. Because, again, loving others, loving each other is more important than being right about the response to this virus. Because there are so many unknowns. There are so many things that we simply can't be sure about, can't be dogmatic about right now. So let's just let some of those things go and focus on what we do know. We're not experts on the virus, any of us here, but we know the one, the Lord Jesus, who is an expert on relationships, and what he has said to us is, love each other as I have loved you. So he calls on us to represent him in this world by letting his love flow through us and out to others. The bottom line is that Jesus wants us to choose love.
So we're entering into this recovery mode in the, in the pandemic, right? Hopefully, we're entering into recovery mode. And recovery is, is a good thing. It, it, the word itself reminds us that we've maybe been through something hard. We're coming out the other end. But we also know that recovery is a time where there might still be some difficulty, some pain. We've had two members of Trinity here that have been through this just within the last week or two. I asked both of them if I could share their names because I want you to continue to pray for them. But uh, Bert Boudet went through shoulder reconstruction about 10 days ago, and, and uh, uh, Doug Lantis went through knee replacement surgery about eight days ago, and, and they are in recovery. But I guarantee you, if you ask them right now, they would say, yeah, but it's still painful. It still hurts. It's still a lot of work. This is still hard. As we enter into recovery mode from this pandemic, there are going to be things that are still painful, still difficult, still going to take work. And like recovery from surgery, it's probably going to take longer than we want. But we need to do the work for us, it's not physical therapy. Maybe what we need is spiritual therapy. We need God to be working on our hearts so that we're fully ready to engage with one another relationally as God gives us those opportunities to do that so that we're ready to choose love and to show love to one another. You know, I, I thought about this and Perhaps we'll even talk a little bit more about this next Sunday because I really believe that for us to stay on mission as a church, we've got to get this recovery part, the relational part, right. If we're not doing this part, if we're not loving one another as we should, then we're not going to be the representation of Christ in our community, in our world that we need to be. And so it's got to start here. It's got to start right with us. We need to be spiritually and relationally healthy so that we can be effective in God's kingdom work. We need to come back together ready to live out the gospel in our relationships with each other so that we can accurately and, and clearly proclaim the gospel to those who need to hear it. And the gospel is that Jesus loved us enough to go to the cross and die for our sin. The gospel is that Jesus wants us to come into a love relationship with him. The gospel is that God wants us in that relationship so that we can be with him eternally in heaven. And so living out the gospel means that we take the love that Jesus has poured out on us and we extend it to others. Choosing love, extending grace as we come back together to be God's people. I want to close today not by praying myself. Before we sing our final song, I've asked uh, the moderator of our elder board, Scott Abishan, and the leader of our deacon board, Jane O'Brien, to come. And I'm going to ask each of them just to come and lead us in this prayer. And I'd like you to just pause, bow your head, and pray with them. I just ask them to pray for our church, pray for us as followers of Jesus so that we will follow what God has called us to 
and we will love each other. So I'm going to ask the team to come back on up on stage, our music team. Uh, Scott and Jane, come on up here, and I'm going to ask you to lead us in this prayer. So just pray as they lead us in this prayer, and then sing with us. And I'll tell you a little bit about that song right after our prayer. Jane, come on and lead us in prayer first. Trinity Church, family and friends, will you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just praise you for your presence here with us today and throughout the ages of history. Father, we praise you for your word that reminds us throughout history how you loved your people. You show us, Father, through the heroes of faith that you gave them amazing grace and courage to love your people so much that they would risk dying for them. Your love, Father, for us was such that you risked and did die for us. In fact, you came to earth knowing you were going to die for us. Father, throughout your word, you talk about love. You talk about faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love. Father, you talk about the fruit of the Spirit, but that very first fruit is love. Father, and it's from that love that all things come. Help us to use that love, Father, to extend it to our community, to your children, and even those, Father, who do not know you. Help us extend that love through showing our hope, through showing the joy that we have in knowing you, the peace that we have while even going through this pandemic, Father. We draw peace from your love. Father, we ask you to help us through your spirit to show our patience to others, to show our kindness, to be gentle with others, whether they agree with us or whether they don't. Help us, Father, to show the least of these, our faithfulness in loving you. Father, most of all, we thank you again that your love allows us to be your children and that by being your children, others will know us by our love. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, that we can come here today to worship you. I thank you for the words that you've spoken through Jeff to us from your scripture. I thank you, Father, that you showed us by choosing love. You loved us so much that you sent your son. And Lord, we're so thankful and we're so grateful. And we ask, Lord, that as we abide in you, as your children, that you would give us through the power of your spirit, the ability to love each other, to honor each other, uh, to consider each other more important. And Lord, we know that's not a human trait. It's not a trait of our flesh. 
That's a fruit of your spirit, and we ask for that to be evident in us and through us as we, as we go forward today and as we walk out of here and as we gather together again, whether it's here or in other places or with others outside of the church and the congregation. But we want you to know that we love you. We're thankful for your love, and we ask that you would enable us to love as you've commanded us to do. And I ask this in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.